You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Uh, James Helton is on the podcast with me today to tell you about uh, all the stuff that he's done up until now. I'm really excited. Thanks to Shannon for putting us together and and referring another guest. For those people listening, that's how I get guests. It's usually by referrals from friends of people who have awesome stories. So appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, before we dive into everything... I guess we'll do you know dive into the history give everyone a little bit of context uh you know who are you and what do you do um as as you said I'm my name is James Helton I am a hairdresser who lives here in Oklahoma City I've been in Oklahoma for probably since 86 the you know I've been here twice once from like 81 80 81 to 82 83 and then from 86 to now. Yeah. So I'm a hairdresser. I've been a hairdresser for 30 years. I also work for a product brand that I do. Um, basically, the layman is I do adult learning for them, uh-huh. do corporate training, adult learning, you know, that sort of thing. So that's about it. You know, I mean, I stand behind the chair four days a week and do programs for them obviously now in this particular time a lot of our stuff has gone from in person to digital Mm -hmm. but we do quite a bit of that as well so I mean the last I've had classes last three of the four Mondays that I've had this so I'm actually in the digital world almost busier this year than I was at this time Mm -hmm. last year before the big breakdown yeah yeah so Crazy times we we are we are almost a year in right it was like right. March something Mar- almost yes. what like we're yeah. into March yeah, almost a year um, where like so so you say you came to Oklahoma twice where were you before that like where'd you I up? originally I was born on the southeast Gulf Coast I went, mm-hmm. I am from a region of the southeast Gulf Coast called the um, the Alamis region mm-hmm. which is right on the state line of Alabama and Mississippi probably. In any one in one direction, hour and forty five minutes from the coast. The other direction, mm-hmm. probably another hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, you know, it just depends on if you want to be on the coast in Mobile, or if you want to be on the coast in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Right. So, um, oil field brought us out here the first time. Then, the oil field also took us away from here the mm-hmm. first time, and went. My dad went back to work offshore. Yeah. And uh, he kind of had an accident on the rig, um, almost lost an eye. And then my mom wasn't quite um, seeing this, basically this, the salary that she had hoped to see being a graduate from the University of Oklahoma, you know, that sort of thing. And a job she had out here prior to us moving away mm-hmm. just kept insisting on her coming back and coming back and 
kind of after my dad's injury, I think they kind of, you know, sit down and put things back pen to paper again. Yeah. And he figured that, or they figured that, um, would make a greater go back in Oklahoma. Sure. And little did we know at the time he was actually, you know, being kids, he was looking at a career change. So he would eventually go from being an, an offshore roughneck to driving a tractor trailer, which he, I think, officially just quit doing that yeah. yesterday. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So he was, a, he was a truck driver from the time that I was middle of my junior year in high school, so mm-hmm. mid, so early 87. Yeah, yeah. Um, until yesterday. Yeah. You That's know? awesome. So the past few years, he's been kind of driving off and on, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, enough to, enough picking up jobs here and there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing, nothing fantastic. And um, he decided yesterday was that was going to be it. Yeah. So. Well, good for him. That's awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah. What a, I mean, what a day to have it for people listening and and watching. We're currently recording on what is probably two days before we get the biggest snow that apparently Oklahoma has ever seen, if you listen to the news. Uh, so when this goes out, we will see if we've had the biggest snow that right. everyone else has ever seen. Um, yeah, right now it's like, don't leave your house. The roads are terrible. Well, stay in the, you know, don't be an idiot and you'll be okay. Right. Uh, so what's like, so, so growing up, like where does, you know, like hairdressing get into it then? Because like, you know, how, growing up and all that stuff, like are you just into it from day one or was it more of like a cultural thing that you're into as you know and hairdressing is just a part of the culture that you grew up in so it is actually probably the antithesis of how i grew up um being a child from the south um you know guys weren't hairdressers very often they Mm -hmm. were they were barbers yeah you know that sort of thing um that that line was drawn pretty definitively and i mean i was Kind of loosely infatuated with my barber as a, as a young man mm-hmm. because he he very much looked like the spitting image of Kenny Rogers from the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. He was cool. He always, you know, he seemed to do what he wanted, right. you know, that sort of deal. And so apart from that, my parents, were, you know, we grew up in a rural community. They were from rural Mississippi. Um, so I kind of grew up loosely kind of on a small, like, just house-sustaining farm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, We had pigs. We had chickens. We had an acre and a half of garden, you know, dogs, cats, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, but unlike my parents, <laughs> I found rock and roll, like, early. Mm. Like, my mom liked Elvis and, you know, that sort of thing. But I got into rock and roll in, like, the second grade. Yeah. And my parents were like, what has happened? You know what I mean? (laughs) What has happened? Because, you know, now I got, you know, I'm a second grader. Right. And the story about that is, you know, when I was in second grade, you had afternoon recess, right? Mm. And afternoon recess... Um, I went to a consolidated school, which means that we had K through eight. Okay. All right. Kindergarten was in an annex building. One through four was in one wing. Mm-hmm. Five through eight was in another. 
So, and there was a big gymnasium, nice hardwood floors. I mean, it was it was crazy. And in the afternoon recess, you could go to the gymnasium mm-hmm. and for 10 cents, you could either get a fudge sickle, a chocolate milk, Damn. or a soda. So I walk into the gymnasium one day, and there, obviously the eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade kids worked that concession sure. stand. And this girl was playing like this music on her radio, and I was like, what is that? Yeah. And... She was, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm second grade. She's eighth grade. She's like, oh, little man, that's Kiss. Have you never heard that? And I was like, no. And then within like a week, I had convinced my grandmother to buy my first rock and roll record for me. And then, you know, you got Kiss posters all over the wall. And then by the time we moved to Oklahoma, I was definitely into, you know, all kinds of other music and, you know, so culture, yes. Yeah. You know, like my culture, you know, growing, going into high school, especially in Oklahoma, I found like an unwitting band of musicians and artists in Purcell, Oklahoma, which is where I graduated right. high school from. So, you know, they they play guitar, they play drums and whatnot. And... We graduate high school, still, you know, hair's never a thing, you know, but I played guitar, you know, and whatnot. And so we get out of school. I, you know, I go to OU for a year. I absolutely hated college. Um, Just, I didn't really care for the culture. Again, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's a culture thing. And a buddy of mine that I was working with, I was working a crappy job. I was in a warehouse working a night shift. Mm. It almost sounds like my uncle walked, you know, 50 miles to school uphill and still barefoot. But I was literally working the night shift in a warehouse loading semis and inside a freezer. So I was working in Frozen, you know. And my buddy was that I graduated high school with, he was like, hey, man. He was like, I know that... Um, I know you really don't want to go to college for four years. And I'm like, well, no, that does not. I mean, I'm 19. You know right. what I mean? And I'm like, no, that doesn't sound fun. He was like, have you ever considered doing hair? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, what are you trying to say about me? Right. right. You like, know, it was, it was you know, an kind insult. of coming from that, you know, from <laughs> right. that very country culture, yeah. you know, and that sort of thing. Um, I was like, uh, No. And he was like, no, 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 man, no, no, no. Listen, yeah. he was like, he was like, you, you get to work when you want. Essentially, make your own hours, which we all sooner or later learn. Very soon, learn that that's a fallacy. Because um, <laughs> if you run your own business, there is no right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you 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 work when your clients say you work, yes, and I'm sure yeah. that you know you have same the same way. thing. Yeah. You know. Um, He's like, but you get to wear your hair the way you want. You get to wear clothes the way you want. And I was like, huh. All right. Yeah. You know? So he was like, but there's two schools here in town. This was in Norman, Oklahoma. He's like, one school is very strict, like very strict. And then the other school is, you know, which is where I'm going. He was telling the yeah. story. Um, I, uh, this, that's where I'm going. They're a little more relaxed, you know, that sort of thing. So me knowing myself at that time enough to know, 
I kind of needed, if I was going to go to school for something, I needed to go someplace where I was almost afraid not to go. Gotcha. Like they set such a culture that yeah. like you were afraid to no show. You needed strict. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I was kind of, you know, I was 19. I was kind of all over the place. You know, I really didn't know what, I, I would have loved to have been a musician, mm-hmm. but I really, you know, Hated. I love the idea more than I love oh, the yeah. practice. Oh yeah, the lifestyle and the way it looks. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I, mean, I, I agree with you. But you know, so um, so there was so there was that element to it. You know, so in hairdressing, you might say it was the actual culture that attracted me in the beginning. I had no idea if I could cut hair. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, when I first started cutting hair, it was extraordinarily difficult. Um. A very common thing you see hairdressers do is it's a it's what we call palming your shears, right? It's where you hold the shears and the comb in the same hand. Sure. You comb, you you know, you section the hair off, you pull it down, you move your comb from your dominant hand to your okay. recessive hand, and then you make the cut. I couldn't do even that. And because I went to the stricter school, one of the things that I did not know mm. was that this school people were coming to from states away. Wow. Okay. So I was getting ready to, unbeknownst to myself, go to school with people that had grown up in hair salons. Yeah. Had parents that were hairdressers. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. had wanted to be a hairdresser since they had swept to... hair since they were twelve. Exactly. Like the whole deal. And yeah. here I am, and here like I thought it would be kind of cool. Yeah. Like you what know? do I do with this hand and this hand? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And my instructor for. Um, for hair design was super, super patient. Mm-hmm. He was, a, but at like day five, he's he just comes over and says, he's like, and this was a Friday. He was like, I don't know what you have to do to be able to do this. Yeah. But if you can't do this, then you can't do this. And I was like, all right. So I kind of went home that weekend and mm-hmm. like worked on it and worked on it. But it was just this, it was the simplest and dumbest thing to not be able to do. But, you know, I worked on it all weekend, kind of carried shears and a comb around with me for sure. a bit to kind of get the feeling yeah. of that. Yeah. And then came back on Monday or on Tuesday and uh, it was a little bit different. Yeah. It was it was a little bit of a different world. So. That's kind of the you know the background of what got me into hairdressing in the sure. first place and um, kind of where that came from. Um, side note, the guy that introduced me to the hair business uh, lives in Seattle now. He he plays in a band still. He's got a wife and kids and whatnot. But he he was having memory trouble. He's losing long-term memory as mm. opposed to... The opposite, like, yeah. Yeah. As, as the dementia side of things, which is the short-term, short-term memory. memory. Yeah, so yeah. he's losing long-term memories and we like talk once a week or so and um, I basically kind of tell him stories. Yeah. You know, yeah, about when we were... we did or whatever. Right, right, right. And he sent me a... We just... Um, the brand I work for, which is Hair Cosmetics... We just had a a big virtual show this past Monday. It was a week mm-hmm. ago, and it obviously went out on social media, that sort of thing. And he gets me, he hits me up. He's like, "Hey, it's good to see you. You know, out there doing the thing, and like on stage, like you know, kind of you wanted to, blah mm-hmm. blah blah." And I and then I was like, you know, 
here's the thing. Mm. And kind of just told him the story that I told you. And though we weren't face-to-face, you could kind of tell that even through the written word that he was kind of taken aback that, you know, he had had that kind of impact. And that's kind of where it all started from, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, What was, like, when you get into hair school, what is, like, the extent of, like, your, like, personal kind of fashion? Was it following the rock and roll stuff? Did you have long hair as well? I was growing my hair out. Yeah. And, you know, my father was very much a, like, you know, boys have short hair, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, no son of mine, that whole mentality. So I started hair school, started being able to pay for my own hair services, which were, you know, by students at that Not, point. Yeah, yeah. Just do each other's hair. Right. Not sure back in size with a razor and stuff. Right, and right, right. Military and, stuff. Um, so we, you know, my I start growing my hair out, um, then start really getting into, you know, the, this was early, like, I think I graduated beauty school in 91. Okay. So I started in l- April of 90, and I think I graduated in June of 91. Yeah. So it was um, that kind of fashion, what, you know, like where we were getting out of, you know, hairband stuff into new wave, like new, new wave again with like Information Society and REM and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then moving into what would eventually be like grunge and a yeah. resurfacing of rock and roll, essentially, you know, at that right. point. So, but yeah, I kind of started to gravitate, you know, even more so towards the music side of things. Sure. And um, uh, then by the time I'm, you know, mid nineties, which is, I think I met Shannon in 93, mm-hmm. I was, you know, flannel shirt and shorts and long johns and combat boots and long hair. Yeah. You know, I'd started, I hadn't started getting tattooed yet, but that was, that was very soon to come to pass. On the agenda. Yeah. 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 Um, So, so you said you graduate in 91. Yep. uh, From hair school. Where do you go then? Do you like leave the, leave the state? Is that? No, I actually stayed in Oklahoma. Um, I worked very unsuccessfully for Uh two years. Um, One of the things they don't tell you in beauty school that, actually, let me back up. Our beauty school owner actually told us exactly what to do, and nobody wanted to listen. So, to set that straight. So, I got out. I wanted to go into booth rental, um, you know, try to build a business that way. Norman's, Norman is kind of like a very forward small town. Sure. Especially when all the students leave. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have the people that grew up there and then you have the rest of the town. Yeah. Right. And I kind of found, I found it very difficult not being a Norman native, not really being an Oklahoma native. It, you know, I hadn't been a native, a, a resident of Oklahoma at that mm. time, but probably, you know, seven or eight years. And so I found it difficult to build business and, you know, in Norman then, and it's even worse now, I mean, you know, you throw a, a rock and hit a hair joint somewhere, yeah. right? So I had no, I, I'm two years in, my parents are breathing down my neck. Like, you need to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you need to call the ball at some point. So I was facing, I was looking straight down the the barrel of a um, of fortuitous career at Little Caesars. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on my last day 
at this salon not having the slightest idea what I was going to do other than go to work at Little Caesars after I left there. And this lady from Supercuts called the salon. Mm -hmm. Or the phone starts ringing, and the salon owner's like, hey, can you grab that before you leave? I'm like, yeah, because I was going to lunch, and I was like, maybe I will come back, maybe I won't. (laughs) I mean, who knows what's going to happen right now. Right. So... 23 at this point, just like, eh, right. well, I was eh, like, eh, you know, yeah. who, who the hell knows what's going to happen right. today, yeah. you know. Um, I pick up the phone, and this lady on the other end, she's like, hey, this is James Helton? I'm like, yeah. Why? Who wants to know? <laughs> what have I done? Right, what have I done now? <laughs> um, so she was like, hey, this is, you know. My name is Christy. I work for Supercuts. I just started here at the store in Norman. I was going through a drawer of old applications. My assistant manager says he knows you somehow. And I was wanting to know if you'd be interested in coming to talk to me. And I was like, well, who's your assistant? You know, right? I don't want to go work for someone right, who I right, don't right. actually I mean, like. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't know a lot of people around right. here, but all right. So, and my and my li- my list of known hairdressers was relatively short at sure. that point. So she told me, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, I don't know that guy. Yeah, you know. So I was like, well, can I, can I come? I, I'll come talk to you. Yeah. So I go talk to her. I had a, a relatively poor attitude about it. Um, it just didn't seem like something I wanted to do. And come to find out, the guy that said he knew me had seen me walk into the school mm-hmm. to pick up my transcript. And he asked somebody who I was. And that's the only basis for knowing me yeah. that he had. He knows who you are. Right. He knows who I am. He right. did not know me. Right. You know? Big difference. Right. So we um, we do that whole thing. You know, we talk. You know, of course, you know, after that, I was like, well, can I let you know? Mm. Now, keep in mind, I have nothing going on. And I'm like, can I, can I let you know? <laughs> Not like you know, biting a hand off to say, yes, I'll take right, it up right, right now. Right, no. Don't care what the deal is. I want so, um, so I go home and I call my mom. And she's like, well, I mean, you have a license. It'd be cool if you did something with it. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm picturing right. the look on your mom's face and she's saying this to you. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sarcastically, you'd be like. Right. Yeah. It would be nice if you could use that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I go, t- I take the job. Yeah. Right. I work for them for four years. Make it into management. I ended up, you know, going. I ended up living in Louisville, Kentucky for a year and um, made some really good friends down there. While I was there, decided, like, okay, this is not what I want to do for the rest. I don't want to retire from here. Mm-hmm. So I moved back to Oklahoma. My parents were super pissed off because I quit. A job because that is your career, and in right, their right. eyes, it is a, a solid long term you know, 50 40 I quit a job career. that I didn't like, yeah, for no job at all. Not and like, hey, I've got a job lined up, right? right, right. No, 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 yeah. So, I'm sleeping on my buddy's couch. Um, I get I go to work as an assistant in a hair salon that was coincidentally owned 
another longer story, but it was coincidentally owned by the ex-wife yeah. of the owner of the beauty school I went to. Okay. <laughs> Oklahoma's a small world, isn't it? Right, right. So <laughs> I, um, I was like, wow, all right. So I was her assistant for about a year while I was trying to build sure. clientele, which is, you know, that's, you know. So um, that's kind of... I made a go of that. I was going to make a go of it, or literally it seemed like I was going to die trying. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up working there for two years. Moved into a small shop of my own that was like 700 square feet mm-hmm. to do what I wanted to do. Which even then I was like, what do I want to do? Right. You know, as far as you know, how the shop looked and all this kind of stuff. But it was very rock and roll, very, you know... More rockabilly by that time, you yeah. know, because rockabilly was somehow more palatable than just straight rock and roll. Sure. You know, it was almost publicly safe. So, um, and then somewhere around, I did that from 99 to 07. Mm-hmm. In 07, one of my sales reps came about and basically asked if I, uh, he knew I'd been interested in doing education. Education at that point in time in Oklahoma was a little difficult because of the, I guess you could say, concentration of brands that were being used and available and that sort of thing. So he was like, you know, I just started using Kuhn's product. Kuhn was new for this part of the country. Nobody had ever heard of it. So he was. He said he w- he was like, you know, I know you're interested in education, uh-huh. and if education is something you want to do, now I believe now's the time to make your move. Yeah, I was like, okay. This was in January, and he was. He said, um, he's like, you have to fly to Atlanta. You have to make two trips to Atlanta, Georgia. You have to put yourself up in a hotel. You have to pay your way. I'm like, oh, this is a lot to invest that's, in myself that's a lot. again. It's a big ass. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, going back to school and all the rest of it. And I'm like, all right. It's two, two four day segments. Yeah. I'm like, all right. I was like, I'm gonna, I was probably going, this was in January. I said, I can probably, I'll probably have it to where I can do it probably by September, October. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're looking at probably $2,000, $3,000 to invest in that. Yeah. And he was like, whoa, 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 what's the holdup? I said, well, sir, it's dollars. You know, yeah. what's the holdup for anybody? Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm time wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little time in the <laughs> I'm world. not cash wealthy at this particular moment. Right. So um, he was like, well, what if, what if we could address the, the cash flow problem? I was like, well, then I'm, whenever you're ready, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, I can go tomorrow if you need me to. Right. Yeah. So he talked to the head of the distributorship that handles the product mm-hmm. locally here in Oklahoma, um, which is now grown to be one of the largest independent distributors in the country. Wow. Um, and he comes back and he was like, they'll sponsor you. Mm. But, you know, you kind of have to make a promise of, you know, staying with it for a couple of years, you know, that sort of thing. Or you're going to have to, you know, pay some dollars back. And I was like, that's not a problem, you know. So I hit the ground running. 
obviously he used me quite a bit for classes in salon programs and that sort of thing. Um, and I stayed with that part of it for probably nine years. I was just doing local classes. I was probably doing about 30 programs a year at my highest, yeah. 30 to 31. Um, and I was really interested in putting together a, a men's program, men's cutting program. Men's haircutting was was really starting to push its way into the market sure. and be what it is now, right? And this was like probably four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it seemed like I was beating my head against the wall. Like, I wasn't getting an audience with the people that were in control of things at that time. And I was on my way back from actually Springfield, Missouri, and we get an email that, you know, the creative director had had resigned, blah, 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 blah. And I was both, to say, I was both really irritated and I was like, you know what? There's nobody between me and the man at this mm. point. So I sent the CEO <laughs> an email. I was like, look, man, I'm not sure how we go about this. And if this is in, inappropriate, I do apologize. Yeah. But here's what I'm thinking and why. In literally less than 24 hours, he had sent a response back. He was like, I 100% agree with you. And... Um, as you can imagine, I'm a little short-staffed at the moment. So as soon as I get this rectified, right. um, I'll have somebody get a hold of you. Yeah. So th- about three months, about 90 days later, a gentleman who now does a podcast called Shop Talk, mm-hmm. his name is Chris Sulme. Um, Chris um, hits me up. He's like, hey, buddy. Uh Andy tells me, which Andy Biazzi was the CEO or CFO at the time. He's like, Andy tells me you're interested in doing a men's program. I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, he was like, well, um, I'm going to send you some formats over and uh, see what you can make of them. Little did he know that in the nine years I'd been doing this, I was only allowed to teach like basic color classes. Sure. And product knowledge classes, right? However, (laughs) I had worked every angle on the basic color class at that point. Right. So I had written several programs just on my own, not really knowing if it was right or wrong or the best way to do it or whatever. And I sat down with it and started kind of looking through the actual format Mm -hmm. and looked at that and was like, okay, so I sent it back to him the next day, and I was like, what do you think about that? And he was like, oh, okay, okay. So can you put those cuts, can you do those on a mannequin head and send me the pictures? I'm like, yeah, sure. Mm. You know, no big yeah. deal. So that's kind of how that got into play. And then, you know, I I now am one of, I'm the creative uh, design ambassador for Q North America. I'm one of three um, salaried artists. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the other artists are either on some sort of retainer or sure. they're 1099, you know, that sort of deal. Yeah, project-based kind of right, thing. Right, right, yeah. right, project-based, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. fee-based, if you will. Um, and I got brought on as a salaried corporate employee um, in 2019, 
February of 2019. Um, and one of my, you know, the main thing I do currently is I do, I'm a part of the new hire training team. Um, I'm a part of their show team. I'm a part of their academy team. And I work with the technical ambassador and the senior creative design ambassador, as well as the VP of education and shows to produce content. Wow. For, you know, the field, yeah. um, sometimes social media. We've been really doing a lot of, you know, social media content production at this yeah. point. Um, so Because it's so, yeah. endless, isn't it? It's never right. ending. I mean, you it's can't never produce ending. enough. I mean, the, 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 the options, the possibilities, the ways it can be done yeah. is just, you know, I would have never imagined in March of 2020 what could be done with InShot. Mm. With you know the on your phone video yeah. editing program, so and being able to shoot most of your content from your phone. I mean, I've invested in a you know a mid to low level like digital webcam type thing now. But I mean, yeah. we've done most of what we've done up to now with our phones and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, so yeah, that's that's kind of. The hair part of it, moving into, you know, working with Kune and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So, but yeah. So when, you know, when, when it's suggested that the next move for you is to go into teaching, mm -hmm. what is your initial, like, reaction at that point? Did you ever see yourself as a teacher? Do you, like, kind of have a passion for teaching and love teaching? Like, or was this just, or was it a shock and you kind of had a different experience to it? Um, so the answer to both of those questions is probably yes. I never really thought too much about teaching mm -hmm. because um, I don't I don't like to view things as I'm going to teach you something. That almost seems to me like um, a form of retribution. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, however, obviously, you can easily tell I don't mind sharing things. So. Working, so when education came about, I looked at it as like if you already had a bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. being able to go to graduate school. Because to me, um, you know, one of the things that you do learn in leadership of all sorts, doesn't matter, is if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. You know? Right. So um, I kind of felt that I had taken myself as far as I could take myself reading magazines, just going to hair classes. Because sure. I went to I went to hair classes easily once a month sometimes, mm. at least once a quarter. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And um, and I would take the same classes, like, from particular facilitators over and over again just mm -hmm. to kind of like, all right, what did I miss from the last class, you know? And so I really looked at it as an opportunity to elevate my skill set. Because when sure. you start working in education, at on this side, of you know, in the beauty industry, mm -hmm. you are working around artists that have elevated themselves to that particular point, right? Yeah. And some people that have been in education their whole lives, um, 
and product training and facilitation and all of that sort of thing. So I really saw it as more of an opportunity to further my own craft and my own skill set. Yeah. And just being able to share and for, because you never know what you know. Sure. Until you have to share it with someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know what yeah I mean? You're right. You're like, hey, give a class on this. And you realize you're like, oh, I have to speak about this for 30 minutes, 10 minutes, half, whatever it is. Three then hours. You, you realize, yeah. Like, so you're like, <laughs> oh, like, you know, like, I, I have a class coming up. Actually, I have to speak in in March for PhotoCon. We're at Bedford's camera right now and they post a you know, conference every year and I have to speak. And I'm like, I need to go over a lot of things. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Um, and one of the, you know, just. Not telling you anything, but you know, one of the one of my favorite quotes would be, um, if I had, uh, if I realized that, what was the quote? Basically, if I'd known I'd had less time to speak, I would have spent more time preparing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, preparing for a three-hour class is not near as hard as preparing for a 30-minute presentation. Sure. From my perspective. Okay. You know. Yeah. Because when you when you start talking about a 30-minute presentation, you have you have 30 minutes. Um so if you intro yourself and you close that out, yeah. now you have 25 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um so you have to fill that 25 minutes with your concise points and that sort of thing and not meander straight to the point right yeah and yeah. still and still feel approachable personable touchable mm-hmm. you right. know not like yeah. you're standing behind a podium you know right. that kind of thing so yeah but that's kind of why I got into education really is to is to make myself better yeah and really when I got out there um I got a lot of classes. Like I had a lot of sales reps wanting to use me because mm-hmm. they said that um, hairdressers understood me somehow or another. And how that particularly works, I had no idea. But um, to me, it was how simple can you make it? And, you know. And that's kind of how I see sharing information is um, is breaking it down into its simplest form. Yeah. And when I, you know, when I started out teaching or facilitating presenting hair color education, that's kind of how I tried to present it. Like yeah. you know, it's it's not complicated. You. Are complicating it. Yeah, Over, the thing o- itself, thinking or whatever. Right, it is. the yeah, thing yeah, itself yeah. is not a complicated mechanism. Right. It is. Now you have an endless array of options, mm-hmm. but just like you know, just like building a building or working on a car or whatever, yeah. there are mechanics to it. There are sure. things that you do under certain circumstances to get. A particular result mm-hmm. and always you know considered hair color at that time to be like one of those like flip books we used we had as kids you know those adventure books you know if you choose to go through the door turn to page 25 yeah if you walk down the hall keep reading you know that kind of thing so but yeah and you know by the time I had 
um, gotten into education, I'd already spent some time, you know, as, you know, a member of a local chamber of commerce. You know, actually, the what was at one point in time the Bethany Chamber of Commerce that became the Northwest Chamber of Commerce, which is mm-hmm. the commerce that serves Bethany where yeah, SMU yeah, yeah. is, I had served on their board of directors and that sort of thing for about four years up to that. So, What took you there? <laughs> that was that was a weird sort of thing because I like uh, you know go, you go from here you go from here right you go from all this stuff that the, you know your story to get to where you are the last thing I think about is you going into working for city and chamber of commerce and stuff and like white collar like stuff right, right like that right. doesn't seem to be on the agenda growing you know, up um, it's this was the this was the first time in my particular life that. I went somewhere where <laughs> I knew I was not going to be well received. <laughs> I can All see right. that. I intentionally went <laughs> where is, I was, where yeah. I knew, I knew I was not going to be well received. Um, I had a little hair shop, right? My first hair shop. Yeah. While all that's going on, this guy moves in next door to me. Um, and he's a computer guy. He's a computer repair dude. Where was it at? It was over off 94th and Council. Okay. Like back off of Council on 94th, mm-hmm. um, behind like that 7-Eleven, that sort of thing. Yeah. So he had, you know, he's he's a he's a young guy, young way, you know, significantly younger than me. Um, I was in my middle 30s. He was probably in his early 20s, and he's like, you know, really hot to trot, wanting to get in there, wanting to get to business, you know, all this, and wanting to be a businessman. And he, we kind of started, you know, neighborly talking and whatnot. And he hits me up. He's like, have you ever thought about being a member of the Chamber of Commerce? And I'm like, look, man. I said, as much as I appreciate the thought, yeah. I said, those are not my people. And I am not theirs. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I, when I lived in Norman, I went to a couple of chamber meetings because the salon, my first salon that I worked at, the owner was a chamber member. She was like, you need to go to these and hand out cards and blah, 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 blah. And that, sir, was the most unpleasant experience I have ever had in a public setting. <laughs> um so I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, brother, no. I'll help you in any way you want me to do it. But right. this, I absolutely cannot abide. He's like, oh, man, all right, all right, whatever. So about, you know, about a month later, he comes over and he's like, hey, let's go to lunch. I'm like, cool. Yeah. All right. Where are we going? He's like, man, let's hit up, good. He's like, let's hit up Joe's Crab Shack down on Expressway. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, I- I'll buy. I'm like, well, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. You know, so we go to Joe's Crab Shack and we're walking through. And I'm like looking at the back and there's a group of people back there. Um, collared shirts, ties, side parts, that sort of thing. I'm like, I'm like, where are we sitting so we're gonna sit back here on pal on the uh, on the uh, in the garden room. I'm like, set you right. right up. Yeah. I look at him and he's like, um, he's like, man, just 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 work with me on this. It's a free lunch. What do you care? Right. 
I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So I sit and I listen to what they're saying. And it's really Rubenesque, much louder speaking than me, if you can possibly imagine that. <laughs> Fellow was the was the head of the show at that time. Big tie as well. Big tie. Yeah. Big tie. Big man, big tie, big voice, big uh, big glasses. He had big written all over him. And he was uh talking. And they, you know, it was in it was a chamber ambassadors meeting, which ambassadors they go out and do ribbon cuttings. Yeah. They're like the they're the PR front mm-hmm. to a, a chamber of commerce, and completely volunteer committee, you know that sort of thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking around the room because that's kind of what I do. I'm a weirdo like that. I watch people, and uh, we we do the lunch thing and. I'm still speaking very illy of my friend at this time, at least mentally. Um, and we're leaving, and I'm like, why? He was like, was that so bad? Yeah. I'm like, well, it wasn't bad, no, but those people don't like me. I can tell you right now they don't like me. They're not going to like me. Yeah. It's It's one of those things where I wish I could tell you that – to know me is to love me, but in that circle of people, that's not going to be the case, right. brother. They're just not going to like me. And he's like, "Well, what if? What if you join for just base membership of two hundred dollars, and if in the end of twelve months mm-hmm. you have not made your money back, and you do, and you work with me on this?" I'll pay your next month's dues or I'll give you your money back. I was like, right, what do you want from me? Yeah. I mean, like, you have to see this guy every day, right? He works next door right, to you. Right, right, right. He's a neighbor, technically. Right, so right. You so, can't get away from him. So he's like, I was like, what do you what do you want me to do? And he and he said, he was like, I don't have the people skill that you've got. Mm-hmm. He was like, you observe people on a level that I I don't have that. And um, I want to be chairman of this organization someday, and I need someone like that Mm -hmm. to help me know who's being genuine, who's not being genuine, and kind of help me, you know, circumnavigate the tar pits of this whole situation. And to me, that kind of almost brought like this weird game element to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, I can play this game, right, right, yeah. right. So I eventually, so that was that. It's uh, became a chamber ambassador, right? So I started going to these ambassadors meetings, community coffees, ribbon cuttings, blah blah blah. Still not getting a lot of joy out of people. Um, then the next thing you know, I am on the uh, I'm the he becomes the chairperson of the ambassadors committee. Then I'm the co-chair, and I express to the um, CEO at the time, I'm like, or my buddy expresses, he's like, we want to be on the board of directors, and this old dude kind of chuckles. And he was wanting to take the chamber in, in like a new, newer, bolder direction. Yeah. Um, and I was like, he was like, (laughs) 
you're not going to be a hard sell, but Mr. Helton here, that's going to be a tougher situation. He's like, you know, our board of directors is pretty conservative, Mr. Helton. Like, yeah, I got that. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was like, but, but here's the thing, man. I mean, you're wanting to go in new directions. You're wanting, you're wanting to push the envelope, and if you want to get out of, we are only a white collar organization. Yeah. What better person to have stand in front of you than a long haired hippie such as myself that sees people every day that Different sees people, people every yeah. day that says that these people aren't these you know stiff upper lip people that you have sold them to be, mm-hmm. much like I sold you myself. Yeah. And he was like, all right, well, we need to get you on a committee that reports to the board so that the board can see you in a non-threatening position. So he puts me, he creates an events committee. Mm-hmm. He was like, you're going to be working with the events coordinator, blah, 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 blah. Um, she and I didn't really get along, but that I don't guess that mattered at that time. And we had been pushing to, you know, as as blasphemous as this was in that community, we've been pushing to take the annual banquet out of BFC. Mm-hmm. All right, that's Bethany First Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which is the center of Bethany, just cultural, just, public, anything, <laughs> city right. stuff. I mean, it's, it's BFC, yeah. Talk so, about bubbles. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So they, um, so we propose the events the salaried events person and the chair of the events committee, which was me, proposes to the board that we would fare better if we had the annual banquet at the Waterford. Mm-hmm. So you're going from BFC, Bethany Free Church. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. free. Yeah. To the Waterford which is an, an undertaking financially. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, well, how are we going to pay with, for this? I said, I can almost guarantee you, you will have more attendance. Mm-hmm. You will have more paid attendance. Um, and we will seek sponsorships of every particular conceivable level. I luckily happened to hit this on an election year. Okay. It was mayoral elections. It was um, congressional elections. Mm-hmm. All of this was taking place around the state, in the city, in the cities yeah. that we were intertwined with, which was War Acres, Bethany, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, you know, this sort of thing. And another thing that we had kind of been, you know, fruitlessly kind of pushing us new ruffians, especially, was the availability. Of a cash bar, yeah. Which I mean, I don't you 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 went to you Southern Nazarene. That's that. that's, that's <laughs> a mean, big big that is, that is the no-no. devil itself. Right, right, right. Yeah. So what ended up happening was Cox Communications had been a member of our chamber f- for as yeah. long as they could remember, yeah, and had only ever paid their membership dues. Never had sponsored anything, never threw out any money for anything. So we crafted a um, meet and greet for your local legislators Mm -hmm. and your local mayors and all this. So 
That would be an hour before the banquet. Mm-hmm. It would come with a cash bar, but only for an hour. You know, because we can't possibly let people loose of for the whole evening. Of course. They may run amok, you mm-hmm. know. And they sent out an email for sponsors. It was a, it was like a $2,000 dessert table sponsorship. And Cox Communications was the first to respond. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll take that. And I was like, huh. We need to up our price now. That's that's yeah. that's saying something. Yeah. That to get to get a member that's only ever been they they've been a member yeah. passively forever, and to all of a sudden they're like, we'll take that for two thousand dollars, Johnny. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. So it was weather like this. Yeah, there was ice on the ground. It was bitterly cold. Every mayor that was invited showed up. The legislators, the gubernatorial candidates, Mm -hmm. everybody showed up. It was a packed house, and it was the first banquet in quite some time where we had actually made money. So then some things happened on the board, respectfully amongst some of the board members, who were presidents of other faith-based universities that were like, look, if this is the direction we're going in, our students can't can't even work at Chili's because Chili's has yeah. you know beer and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. I can, in good faith, ask this of my students and then be a part of the direction, the directors mm-hmm. of this particular type of move. So that opened up two slots on the exact committee. And with the hot off the success of the annual banquet, I slid into the spot of secretary. Okay. Which, I mean, you know, being being the secretary, part of your role is to know the rules, take minutes, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I had to take a crash course and, you know, the rules of order and, you know, all of this. And, um... Once you're on the exec committee, it's just a matter of time. Right. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't like to, you know, claim success on something that was already headed that way. However, it shook out the way it shook out, right? Yeah. And the end of my chairmanship was the first year, and I don't know when that the Northwest Chamber of Commerce finished the year out in the red. Or in the black, not in the red. Yeah, making money. Making money, yes. So I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that do for someone that um, is going into facilitation and eventual leadership? And I think Shannon told you this. Um I think one of my I think one of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given is that I'm most often underestimated mm-hmm. the minute I come in the room. Yeah. The I'm, first the first line of the text that she sent me this morning when I told her I was interviewing you. He's great, but not what you think when you see him. <laughs> that is the first line after, you know, hey, like that's I will never forget. So I am. I, I was invited the first time I was invited to the um, annual 
what they called at that time mm -hmm. Academy Planning Session with CUNE North America. I was in a room basically surrounded by my company heroes, right? Like people I looked up to the entire yeah. time I'd been there. And one guy in particular, at that time, I was incredibly intimidated by. He had been on the, um, he'd been on, um, he'd been on the real world. He'd been on like 90210 as, you know, as a hairdresser, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. He had done, he had done celebrities hair. He was, you know, from LA, which right. at that time I was still like completely mystified by anybody from Los Angeles. Um, and he was a part of the planning committee, so mm -hmm. to speak. And I walk in and I sit down and I'm, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm sitting here. Like these people yeah. are for sure. Like I I'm, I'm, I'm in the deep yeah. end of the pool now. Right. You know, and I sat and I listened and I listened and I listened. And somewhere around day two, I decided to say something finally. Mm -hmm. And he kind of looked at me across the table and he was like, he just kind of looked at me. I was like, great. <laughs> well, I really, now, now I'm in the deep end of the pool with an ankle weight on. Yeah. Now they definitely know who I am. And um, he literally said, months, maybe even a year or so later, he was like, you are not what your exterior advertises. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, four years in politics helped that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and because I really, when, when in the Chamber of Commerce, I really got to hone that skill of just listening. Yeah. And watching, watching how people do things, you know, um, I learned a, a while back that, <clears throat> and this is, this is kind of germane, but uh, I learned a while back that at age 75, Anthony Hopkins was, um, diagnosed with autism mm -hmm. his whole life. And, um, that is what allowed him to observe people at their most minute detail. Mm -hmm. All right. And not that I have autism or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But that I'm a fan of that kind of observation. Like, yeah. like literally, like what what causes someone to look to the left or the right? Mm -hmm. How does this affect that person? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It's a real skill to have, right? I, you know, I, you know, especially when you want to talk. If you want to talk about Sir Anthony Hopkins, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and not that I pretend to be any kind of, you know, or portend to be in any way like that, but I do kind of like to look at myself like that's how I look at people. Right. You know, and um, and it works. I mean, it's, you know, I had a situation a couple of years ago. I was working with a young man, um, very punk rock dude. He's very, very rock and roll. And we had a rough day. Mm-hmm. Um, some things happened during his segment of the program that um, didn't go his way. And it was a rough day for him, you know. 
And we were debriefing at the end of the day, and I was, you know, I was trying to work with him a little bit. And it took me about, I was, it was about 20 minutes in, and I was like, he's, he, this is still too close to him. Hmm. And I'm trying to, I'm at this point trying to back out of it. Like, you know, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. Sleep on this, sit yeah. in it for a minute, you know, that sort of thing. And, but before that happened, what the big cue was, was that we were talking mm-hmm. open, open chest to open chest like yeah, this, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly he turns and is now got his shoulder to me. Yeah. Like he's minimized his body. I'm like, he's ready to fight. Like yeah. he is, he is to that, he's ready to fight. Right. And, I thought that we were, you know, that I was being very calm, like trying to, you know, get him through this. And all of a sudden he turns to the side and I'm like, all right, man, let's go ahead and break for the evening. You know, that sort of thing. And without having, you know, that kind of knowledge or anything like that, where would that have ended up? Oh, yeah. Seriously. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so body language is very important. I look, you know, and... Being able to sit across the table from 12 other grown people Mm. that I know don't like me, but they all know they have to sit and listen to me for at least 60 minutes um, helps you to, like, be able to read the room, so to speak, you know, but Mm. on a little bit more of a finite type of level. So. That to me that that was the and it was my first ever public speaking engagement. I had to stand in front of a room full of people and give as the incoming chair, um, I had to give the speech for the outgoing chair. Sure. You know, or and kind of give my you know, talk of the town, so yeah. to speak, lay of the land kind of perspective. And um Again, that probably wasn't what they were looking for, but it was six minutes of absolute bliss for me. <laughs> and um, I think it was for the CEO, too. I think he was very pleased at, you know, because when I started, I was, you know, I kind of look like I do now. And when I was giving my speech as the incoming chair, you know, suit and tie and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So Still the hair, though? Still the hair? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. Um that is, I mean, I'm sure someday I'll cut it off again, but, you know, as long as it's still working, mm-hmm. then, you know, and it kind of, it adds that odd element. Yeah. You know, like still, you know, I'm still kind of rock and roll, still yeah, able yeah, to yeah. kind of, you know, There's carry that There's a side of you, off. right? When yeah, they yeah. see you in a suit, you're like... Okay, he's in a suit. He's the president, or he's the chair, or you know, he's he's the leader of this chamber. But there's something else that he loves to do, right? And it's rock and roll, or it's something it's like something that. Something that you know? you know. I mean, and I, you know, music definitely. Like you know, I'm uh, not a very well practiced painter, but I do enjoy painting. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of thing, and I do cook a lot. I enjoy that. So a lot of other creative things get mixed in there as well as, you know, music and film yeah. and, you know, that 
that sort of thing. So, so when you're with you're with Kuhn and you're doing all that stuff, and and you know you're in the room with with all kind of like your heroes and stuff, and they've traveled and done stuff on mm-hmm. set. Do you then aspire to go on set? And then did you go on set around the country? Um, I have. 2020, I was supposed to go to Japan. Mm-hmm. In April of 2020, we were set to go to Japan to do a whole, like, almost like a Japanese beauty school tour, but it they don't do beauty school there like we do here. It's a whole different world. And, um, but, I mean, I've been to Canada twice um, doing things from stage mm-hmm. there. Um, and gotten to do hair shows in LA. I've not done any kind of movie set type hair or anything like that. Not that that wouldn't be something I wouldn't be open to because mm-hmm. that definitely sounds like a good time. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. And I think that I have, you know, now this, at this point in my career, I have the chops where I think I could, you know, right. successfully navigate that, you know. Either in you know just skill set or being able to circumnavigate how that works mm-hmm. you know and that sort of thing so and be willing to to go to it right you know yeah. um, so Kuhn has allowed me to do a lot of things that I had always kind of aspired to do you know I'd always wanted to be on stage never having any idea what what that entailed you know. Um, and it's, you know, because I don't, you know, a little bit, you know, I get motion sick real easy. I don't like high places. So roller coasters and Ferris wheels and amusement cruises park rides and, and cruises and skydiving and that sort of thing is not where I would, you know, that's not how I get that rush. Yeah. Right. But being on stage, that is that's a whole different thing, because when you come off stage, um, you're just like, you know, you're walking ten feet off the floor, yeah. because it's a very it's a very concentrated amount of time. There are things that have to be done, um, and there's you know, all the people and all the energy that comes from that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I have really gotten to do thanks to you know. A lot of my heroes within the company that have coached me along the way, the VP of Education and Shows, who has had a very, very um, instrumental part of my career development over the course of the past couple of years, mm-hmm. um, more or less a, you know, like, you, you can do this. And I kind of expect you to do this, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. This is not beyond you. Yeah. You know, so because that, you know, that can get a little picturing yourself on stage. If it's not daunting to you in the least, Mm. then I almost bet you're not going to do so well. Right. You know, because if you don't have if you don't have some kind of jitters. Yeah. About what's going to happen. It's good to have a little fear, isn't it? Right, right. You know, I mean, so I think that that is, um, and then when you get off stage, all of that, you know, that slight apprehension and then the energy of the people around you and then the energy that you generate on stage, Mm -hmm. 
you know, that that definitely stays with you for at least a couple, two or three hours, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, comes the ever-dreaded, what I like to call post-show crash, where you just literally, like, almost like you collapse in the middle of the afternoon and sleep for four hours, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's... That's kind of that's kind of where I've I've been able to take that. Yeah, you know that's really cool. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, you know, from from the comments that the mum and dad made as you're growing up, right? I'm sure there was a bunch of times like you know you've been growing your hair out and your dad's making comments, or your mum's like, yeah, it's probably time you should get a job. And then <laughs> you know you you get to now, right? And you've been very successful, and, and just through complete passion and you know like the the just. The, the drive to continually learn, right, and, and perfect right. the craft. Right. Like, that's what keeps you, you know, like, because you don't just keep taking the same class over and over again, like, just because it's fun. You keep doing it to find one thing each time that you may have missed, and you continually learn, and that's a great lesson for people listening. It's like, there's always, we should always be learning, regardless of what it is. Never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Um, the young man I spoke of earlier that um, had had a rough day, One of my favorite, I make him do this almost every time we do a class together. He told, uh, he tells a story of him and his youngest. Um, He grew up, or he lived in a not so hot part of Chicago, all right? Um, And they were walking through the park, and his child picked up a leaf. And he was like, put that down. You know, you don't know what's been on that, you know, and that sort of thing. And he had a moment of clarity at that point in that she will never look at a leaf or that leaf the same way she would have the first time. Right. So going into a classroom setting, what we invite people to do is look at this as if you're looking at it for the first time. Okay. And I think that that is a lesson that we could all bear. You know, approach things like you've like you have not seen it a thousand times. Right. You know, and look at it with always look at things with with as fresh a eyes as you can. I mean, I know that, you know, we get into situations where, you know, we're trying to get through the day and we got to mm-hmm. go to the grocery store and we got to get home and our kids are yelling and that sort of thing. But, you know, try to at least at least once a day look at something differently. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of where I kind of try to keep myself in check on a lot of things. You know, I mean, we've had... Um, we've had a you know a hell of a year in 2020. There's been a lot of things that have come up, you know that sort of thing. I'm from the South originally, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be a mathematician, you right. know. So and really try to um, try to look at things freshly. And I know as lame as this is going to sound, try to put yourself in someone else's place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and learn from that perspective. Right. You know, I think I think learning has so much more to do, so much more than just whatever craft or profession or whatever new thing you're trying to figure out. I think learning is everything. Personally, Mm -hmm. it's 
every day. It's, you know, you get in the car and you drive to work, you drive to work the same way every day. But you may see something today you didn't see yesterday. Mm. And when you drive home that night, you may look at things differently to see what else you might not have seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you drive by something like, has that always been there? Has that been there, really? And it has, and you had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Happens all too often, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Sad thing is people are usually looking at their phones and they're driving, which, please don't do that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it is awesome. I'm sure that, you know, looking back on things and, and, you know, through doing a podcast or other interviews that you do, you do get to get to reflect on the things that you've done and, and the, the places you've been, the people that you've met. And and through doing hair, it's such a personal experience with whoever you're doing hair for, isn't it? Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, um, and that's kind of one of the things, you know, when, when we talked the other, you know, wrote back and forth the other day, I mean, I, I 100% understand that in the place I live, I'm not going to meet a whole lot of people like mm. myself. Yeah. So, um, so you have to, you know, you have to learn how to circumnavigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a completely different version of success, you know, um, yeah. And being around all those people and sharing their personal experiences and seeing their personal perspectives, even though they may or may not align with my own personal perspectives, I think it kind of helps people. It helps you gain perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, and try sometimes the best you can to understand where someone's coming from. Right. Instead of immediately shutting it down because it doesn't sound like something you want to be engaged in. Right. I mean, I think we've all been in a situation periodically or once or twice in our life, maybe more than that, where you're in a conversation that you don't necessarily want to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um and I love my clients. I think, you know, and I have a very fruitful career. Um, due to a lot to a lot of shared patience <laughs> from one side to the you know from one side of the chair to the other yeah um, but you definitely you learn a lot about just people um, and some things are mystifying <laughs> but uh, but yeah I mean it is it is definitely um, Kind of, it's a it's a shared experience mm-hmm. at that level. Yeah, because you know? people think people like I don't know what it is about going to the hairdressers, but it feels like a safe place to talk. Sometimes, you know, right? I'm 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 gonna give a huge I'm gonna give a pretty large shout out to a British friend of mine uh, named Tom Chapman. Um, Tom Chapman is the head of an organization. He's a barber. Mm-hmm. He's the head of an organization called. Um, um, he wrote a book called Barber Talk, I believe, and he owns. A, he is the head of Lions Barber Club, and they are a suicide awareness mm-hmm. organization in Great Britain, and that is the the central focus to his um, entire organization is that 
we do operate one of the safest spaces yeah. non-clinically that there is. Uh-huh. And um, his organization works to help identify, you know, people that may be in need, you know, certain sure. things and that sort of thing that need to talk to someone. You know, obviously suicide prevention is, you know, that's what you're going to encounter. Yeah. But, you know, to, to say, to kind of go off of what you said— it's an extraordinarily safe place, and it's a, it's an extraordinarily um, personal place to be. Is in the the hairdresser's chair, you know, the barber's chair, hairdresser's mm-hmm. chair, whatever you want to say. So, um, I think to really be successful at that, you have to respect that space. You know, you have to. At that point, it's, you know, it's your chair, it's your salon, but it's not, it's your service you're performing mm-hmm. on this person, but it's not about you, really. Right. You know, it's it's about um, sharing their experience and sometimes, you know, talking them through an experience, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I'll never forget, I had a, had a gentleman in my chair one time, he was, he was getting ready to go through a divorce. And I'm like, uh, look, man, I said, I don't, you know, you've been married a long time. I said, ladies see these sorts of things differently than we do, you know, than men do. Yeah. I was like, that's, I was like, how long have you been married? He's like, I've been married 17 years. I said, well, I can tell you, here's the thing. She is going to be 17 years pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) And he was, he kind of looked at me. And he was, you know, he was like, I don't, you know, I don't care. I'm like, you know, I, I'll do what I want. I'm like, all right, brother, I'm just telling you. Yeah. And he come back about, you know, I'd seen him a couple of times, but six, about six months later, he's in my chair again. Um, several visits before that, but this one particular time, he was like, man, I have to say, he was like, you were right. She was 17 years pissed off. <laughs> so, um, so sometimes, so you, you know, you have to. Um, so sometimes you are talking people through some of the most difficult right. times of their life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You get to share in a lot of their happiness, and and you also get to share in a lot of their not so happiness because yeah. some people some people don't always have that safe space. Mm-hmm. And I've always tried to promote that. You know, like. Like, I may not agree with you politically in Oklahoma, about a 95% chance that's going to be the case. Yeah. Right? Um, My social politics are probably going to be different than yours. But as long as we can both respect those things that are going to be different about one another, Mm -hmm. then that is what I call a cooperative. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's we need really... more of that, too, don't we? <laughs> a lot more of it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you enter into... When you sit in a hairdresser's chair, you are entering into a cooperative situation. Mm. There is a silent agreement amongst the two of us that you have decided that I can adequately perform the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And I have decided that the, um, that the share is equitable. Right. And we work off of that, you know. Um, Shannon Rich, the lady that referred me to you in the first place, um, we spent probably at least 15 years 
on opposite sides of that. Yeah. Having very impassioned conversations about first one thing and the other. Um, we did talk a lot. You know, most people are like, you know, you're not supposed to talk about politics and that sort of thing. But for whatever reason, she and I felt safe with one another yeah. to really kind of, you know, get down to the dirty, dirty on the thing and discuss mm-hmm. the actual thing. Not like your party is dumb or right. whatever, but like, I mean, get down on, to... On the actual context level. Right, of like, right, okay, right. Let's you know, have on why this is or isn't working. Right, yeah. And why we should or shouldn't be doing yeah. this. And, um, and we, you know, great friends. Been great friends for over two decades now. And uh, so, and I think, you know, I think we could all... Most people, you know, we could all have share a hearty dose of that, yeah. really, and is and just you know understand that, you know, hairdressers and people are all people, and at some point, at some point, we all have to eat breakfast. Hopefully, you're getting to eat breakfast, you know, that sort of thing, yeah. and that we all have jobs to do, and uh, and just. Really try going back to learning, really trying to understand. You know, I I put out, I put on my Facebook the other day, actually, something very much like that. And that was, seek to understand, mm-hmm. not to be right. Which for, for some people is a very hard thing to do. You know, and yes, it is. Like very you know, I mean, it, I mean, sometimes it can be hard for me to do. Like, yeah. so like nobody wants no nobody wants to be wrong. Sure, right? And that's you know that's one of the things about facilitation is that you sometimes are faced with you are faced often with someone doing something that is going to lead them to an undesired result. Mm-hmm. The layperson would say that they're doing something wrong. All right. Right? So you have to figure out how to guide them from the exercise that they are doing that is going to give them ultimately the unintended result mm-hmm. and guide them into getting the result they intended through their own discovery. Through their own discovery. That is facilitation. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's Sam Via is one of the, he is one of our largest industry icons. Okay. I mean, great. Um, he's from stage, education, product brands, all this. And he said something that um, really resonated in one of his last interviews with me, and that is, it's not so much facilitation is not so much the information you present, but the questions you ask. Yeah. So, and that he, he said that was one of his greatest learning moments was not to force upon someone information, but to ask them questions to guide them to the information you want to give them. Yeah. A hard, that, that's a very hard skill to learn. That's tremendously difficult. Yeah. Because, 
I mean, you always want to ask yes, yes questions. Well, right? and if you know the answer too, right? As a teacher, right. you're just like, you the answer give it, is this. You like, want or to give yeah. it to them. Or a parent or whatever it is with their kids. You're like, hey, right. just, this is it. Just do it. Do your homework. It's done. Leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you want them so much to, yeah. like, that's a part of being in education and facilitation and all that. You want them so badly to get the right answer. Mm. You know, you want them to be able to do this properly and to be able to expand upon that. However, if they don't own it, yeah. you've just given them a fish. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's okay for today. Right. Yeah. yeah they but what are you going to do with it yeah. tomorrow? You know what yeah. I mean? They have nothing to build upon because they did not get that themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really what education is for adult learning is mm -hmm. guiding people to their own self-discovery. Yeah. So I'll finish with this. What's next? I mean, you know, you're doing a lot of online learning. You're doing a lot of, you know, Zoom stuff, I'm sure, mm -hmm. and, yes. and, and conferences online, which is totally different to, to where you're at this time last year. But, um, you know, what, what kind of is in store for you this year? And then I guess where would you like to take stuff in the future? Um, you know, the future, you know, my... The, the the vice president of shows in education always she asks me that periodically because I'll ask her you know and she's she's a much more masterful facilitator than I am and I'll ask her like what do you what do you see what do you where do you see me going next and she's like I don't know where do you see you going next and I'm like well I don't know she's <laughs> that's like, why I'm well, asking then, you a question right 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 <laughs> so. I always, I always respond to her question of my question with, I want to go as far as I can. Now, does that mean geographically? Yes. Does that mean in, a, in my particular skill set? Yes. Mm -hmm. Does that mean as a facilitator? Yes. Um, so... I think for 2021 and maybe into 2022, I'm going to, my goal would be to start preparing for what we refer to as a Naha Award or entering that deep into the pool, which it's, it's an editorial type situation. Okay. You're doing editorial hair. Um, it's kind of like the Grammys of the hair industry. Sure. All right. And, um, you enter, you have an entry, you know, it's judged and, you know, that sort of thing. So that's something that I would like to do. And, you know, going into 2021, 2022, um, I hope to at some point towards the end of the year, put my foot back on an airplane. Um, learning to fly, so to speak, was uh, definitely a learned skill for me because I absolutely hated flying. Yeah. I'm sure, and that flight to Japan would have been. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was. There was a lot of mental preparation that I was having to go yeah. through for that, because that's 15 hours up in the air, um, and that's I'd never been in the air that long before. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I would like to see a lot more of the world, you know, post COVID. I would like to hopefully get back in front of a room full of people by somewhere in late 2021, early 2022, when mm -hmm. it's safe to do so, obviously. Um, and just see where this, you know, this magic carpet ride of a career can take me. Yeah. I mean, it's, t I've, I, it's been um, 
a, a wonderful, wonderful ride thus far. Um, I believe it is far from over. Um, and I most certainly enjoyed the, enjoyed the ascent for sure mm-hmm. and the continual ascension yeah. of, of that. So, and to me, it's, you know, obviously I enjoy a slightly different brand of success because, you know, my, my success is not measured by the car that sits in the driveway, though I, you know, I enjoy a decent car. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon and I had this conversation quite often in that um, I enjoy the time. Yeah. You know, we, um, I believe that people are usually quite time impoverished. Um, and I, I enjoy having the time, being able to take the time and really, really, you know, enjoy what I've been given and, you know, or what I've earned, you know, yeah. whatever, how you want to look at that. I think it's all a gift, really, to be honest. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's where I'm headed is to, you know, really get that first Naha experience under my belt, continue to hone my facilitation um, skill set, continue to work on my, you know, hairdressing skill set, mm-hmm. continue to work on my being a human, um, right. you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, mate. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, I mean, it's absolute pleasure, and, and I know there's a lot more to the story, and I'm sure hopefully <laughs> we'll get to do this again, hopefully for after sure. you win the first Naha, which would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, for everyone listening, how can they kind of reach out, you know, uh, follow you on Instagram or whatever it is, and, and um, you know, all yeah, the my, my Instagram there. is at James underscore Helton two zero one six. You can look up James Helton on the on Facebook, and I'm at you know Sola Suites over here off North May Avenue. That's where I work out of. Mm-hmm. So just you know reach out on for sure on Instagram anytime on Facebook anytime, and um, follow me on there. I usually I post hair things. I post a lot of hair things. Um, I do post the occasional food or barbecue pictures or videos that I've you done. Like, like to like to grill, like to yeah. barbecue. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I love barbecue. I love just you know the whole the aspect of how that all comes together, and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. And I mean, clearly, I like to eat. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> what is that? All right, let you go. With this one. What's the best barbecue in Oklahoma City then, or in Oklahoma, I mean. I guess within driving range of Oklahoma Metro that you would go to. Um, I have a few favorites, and um, I mean, I'm a big fan of George's Happy Hog over off of Culverson, over off Lincoln Boulevard. Mm-hmm. It's like 13th and Culverson, I think. Um, I love that place. It really is very reminiscent to Southern barbecue. Okay, all right, not so much Texas barbecue. Yeah. Um, I like Iron Star Barbecue just a lot because of the idea of it. I mean, I, and I love the people that own you yeah. know, the good the good egg people yeah. are literally good eggs mm-hmm. in every way, shape, and form. Um, and I love, love, love. There's a place in Tulsa called Burn Co. Okay. And they have some of the best ribs and you know 
that sort of thing. I'm a ribs guy. Yeah. To me, the the quality of your barbecue is is judged strictly on the quality of your ribs in my book. And um, Burn Co. has some delicious ribs and some of the best potato salad. Mm. It's it's hot potato salad, but and it's smoked potato salad. Yeah. So those are my three big faves around Oklahoma City and in Tulsa, you awesome. know, driving distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, again, thanks for coming down. Thanks uh, for having pleasure. me, man. This has, been a, this has been a good time. Yeah. Um, thanks to Shannon for putting us together. And, and yeah, everyone listening, uh, I'll post all the links down to James's stuff. You can go follow him on social media and get in touch. Uh, and, yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who've been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at OklahomaHOF.com and definitely on Instagram at OklahomaHOF. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.